I remember I went to my friend, one of my good friends, Jonathan, and I just was like, man, I have to confess things. I have to confess all this to you. I was like, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm depressed. I need help. And he, we both, he kind of looked at me in a way of relief almost because he was like, me too. I'm also having trouble with this. I thought I was alone. And for us, it was a what light. A tool the enemy to even exactly. That the, you get so isolated yeah. when you're entrapped in a, like sin and addiction. It could be anything, mm-hmm. you know. And the enemy wants to separate you from people who love you and people who care about your future and your well-being, so he can just keep latching on to you. And as soon as I talked to him, it was like a wall broke down for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I am not alone. First of all. So I just want to say that to people out there. You are not alone. There are people who have gone through this, who have struggled with it actively, and who have broken free from it. And I'm here to tell you that it's possible, because I didn't think it was possible. Welcome back to the Vantage Point Podcast. You are listening to part two of our pornography series. And really what we're going to be doing today is diving into my personal story and walk and struggles with pornography when I was in high school and what I did to overcome that how i was freed from that we're going to talk a lot about the relationship me and my dad had during that whole process it's gonna be really powerful i really just want to encourage y'all to uh, lean into what we're talking about today my journey with pornography and overcoming it and really just that whole process in my life and it's a major part of my testimony I'm very open about it because I believe that we have to have these conversations with people. Well, and I would also tell you, because people aren't open about yeah. it, it, so many people are slaves. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, it, and I think- So much shame poured onto and it. And here's the beauty of it is, and I do want to say this before I go into it, because some of the stuff that I, I had to walk through a lot of shame and a lot of hard things personally, uh, and it affected my life in a lot of ways that I didn't really expect, but you just don't know it until you're in it. And, and then once you're in it, you're so in it that you're like, how do I get out? What do I do? So anyways, when- I was in, when we moved from, we lived in Dallas, Texas. I was kind of late bloomer, had a few missing teeth. So, I mean. A, a few. A few. It was pretty bad. There's a college education <laughs> in, the, in the dude's mouth, man. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it was bad. You could it's kick a field goal through the gap of my teeth. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, a that's a whole other podcast. Anyway, that, I have a story no. of overcoming that for that kid. It was, I was like I was like a hockey player. Like, really was. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so sad. I had anyway. three dental surgeries, I think. Yeah. It was crazy. You had a plate installed. Anyway. Yeah. It was crazy. Anyways. so. A lot of that, I was, I was bullied my sixth yeah. grade year. And there was just a kid who decided that, oh, well, I'm going to make fun of him. I'm going to prey on him. That is where I think the ball started rolling for the enemy. It's immediate insecurity and immediate loss of control. Girls didn't like, like me because I was, looked like I was 10. And yeah. all these dudes are like, starting to get girlfriends. And you're behind everybody. You're getting made fun of, getting bullied. So I hated school like in sixth grade. I think I remember crying sometimes being like, I don't want to go. Are you talking about sixth grade in Dallas? This is in Dallas. Yeah. My friends have moved away. Like yeah. there's just a lot playing into that. So we moved to Houston and I remember there was a switch in me where I was like, I am not going to be this kid anymore when I get to, because I was on fire for God. I was leading my friends to the Lord when I was in sixth grade. It was, there's a lot of things that were going well. So of course the enemy would want to come in and, and rip that from me. So I get to Dallas, I get to Houston and I remember this shift happening in my mind where I was like, I'm going to live a different life at school. I'm going to be cool. I want friends. I don't want to be lame anymore. I don't care if I'm missing teeth, whatever, you know. So immediately I start diving headfirst in the culture. And I remember I was on the bus going home. This kid pulls up this, this video. Some guy pulled up a pornographic video and showed yeah. me. And immediately that was the first, first time I'd ever been exposed. And 
that that feeling that I had of the curiosity of being mm-hmm. young and being naive, yeah. not knowing what this is, drew me in more. So fast forward, you know, it's it just grew from that, and it became like I was in seventh grade and starting to watch pornography. And then you add in that factor of I was hiding it from y'all. There's that weird tension between, well, I'm hiding things from my parents, so I have to act differently around them versus at school and church. And, and keep in mind, I, at church, I was the follower of Jesus. That kid is a pastor's son. He can, we can give him stuff. He's a leader. At school, I was talking about porn, talking about girls, you know, cussing, all this stuff, just, just living completely for the world. And then at home, I was trying to be the perfect son who didn't do anything wrong. So immediately, there's just this turmoil in my life. And it got to the point, and this is sad, where it was like sometimes one or two times a day when I was in high school. Yeah. And that hurts to say, because I'm like, man, how much of those years have been taken from me that I wish I had back? Like some of that innocence that I, I lost, the things I've seen that is just, it's sad. It really is sad. And I promise, guys, when you, when you're in it, you just, and parents may not know because you become you, desensitized. You become desensitized to it. You think you crave more. You really Correct. do. It starts something small and it grows. It's like instant gratification, but prolonged shame, depression. Yes. I mean, we'll, I know we'll hit yeah. some of that later, but. So, I, well, no, that's, that's literally what happened. It, it just started to eat away at me. I became, sophomore year was probably one of the hardest years mm. of high school for me because everything was kind of in my face. Things were, I was starting to get in trouble for some things. I think y'all caught my, caught me like sending cuss words over text and like well, that, inappropriate texts. Yeah, and that, that's how, it, but that was between, was it between your freshman and sophomore year or sophomore year? I think year? it was sophomore year. Sophomore year. So here's what's crazy, you know, and I know this story, but we didn't know about it you know, from 7th to 10th grade, because, what I said to you earlier, we had done everything we thought to protect him. You know, we had the filters on our, on our dish satellite where he couldn't access yeah. stuff. We had it on the computers at home, stuff like that, but we, didn't, we couldn't protect him at school. Correct. And, and that's what brought him in. Then we knew about the bullying. We knew about the challenges he was going through. But, you know, like he said, at home, he seemed fine to us. And so we didn't know all the things that were going on at the school until you got caught. Well, yeah. and this for you, Bradley, the question that I would ask is because this has changed. Like as a parent, now I'm 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 seeing this change. I never would have thought this. Yeah. Did you have that porn conversation with him that to, that said, Hey man, this is out here, you're gonna be exposed to it? I, you know, I would I would think no, because at that time we didn't need, you didn't think you need to. You didn't yeah. that's the key. You didn't think at least at that age. Well he and didn't that's, he didn't have this until, you know, what, high school? I think I got freshman? yeah, I got like a Kindle fire. Yeah. Was like the first piece of technology, and that was like eighth grade. Yeah. He didn't um, have full-blown access like this stuff. And no. so, like, we put, like, he, he was a big Xbox player, mm-hmm. and we had filters on that. Correct. Yep. We had filters on our satellite TV. So everything at home, we had the filters on to, to make sure that he nor Bailey would accidentally step, right. stumble on this. And there was just no signs of it yeah. for us. There was just no, none. I Which, mean, he, we knew how he was as a kid, and he was fine. So he would come home. The thing we knew when we moved to Houston, we knew he struggled to find friends because yeah. it was a new school, seventh Correct. grade. And so, but by within four or five months, it seemed to have corrected itself. So we're like, oh, great. Which is where as a student pastor, I would just unpack that to say, your kids are not going to give you signs that there's addiction there. They're not going to give you signs that anything's wrong. As a a kid who's grown up and as a kid, we're really good at hiding stuff. And- and that, and that's, we've learned so much since, I mean, you're talking about what, 10 years ago more, you learned so much, the world is exposing us to so much. And at that time, I didn't have a conversation with my parents about pornography. I do remember I got caught with pornography on a web browser. I mm-hmm. went, I was at a church camp. My dad called me and said, hey, 
you know, we found this on your computer. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 it was my brother, right? Because my brother was known as kind of the misfit, which he was totally looking at porn, easy to throw it on him. But the reality is I was. And God convicted me. And I, yeah. I ended up having that. That's, that was a come to Jesus for me. And I know we're not in that. But all I'm saying is, parents, if you think your kids aren't watching porn, or if you think they're not exposed to things at school, now's the time to have the yes. conversation because it, it, it's coming. Yeah, looking back on it, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've prayed through and thought about what could I have done differently for him. And I think that, you know, today, if he was that age group that, with the information that, I, that we now know, and you guys yeah. are doing a great job of equipping parents, I would have the proactive conversation. Yeah. So first of all, I want to say that if you if you want to watch pornography and that is your goal, you will find a way. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how many settings you have on your and phone. It doesn't matter about your parents. How many? No. You if you really want to, you will find a way. And because it's so accessible, and you you'll just you'll figure it out. And that's the sad part about it. So going back to me and my story, basically, I found myself in high school and wrapped in. Like, in tr like trapped in this pornography addiction that I was like, I'm never going to get rid of this. And I'm hearing it. I'm going to church hearing conversations about, hey, this is bad. You should avoid this because it's going to affect your future. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your kids. Whether you know it or not, Zen has a ripple effect. And if you are going to be, it's happening now. Divorce rates, I think it was like some crazy stat about that. Like a lot of divorce rates now or divorces contribute to pornography addictions Absolutely. and that, that root cause. So I was kind of beginning to fight on the Holy Spirit was working in my heart because I was learning things. And um, I remember I came to, it was sophomore year. No, it was going to junior year. We went to camp. And I remember that year being just different because I was, I was depressed. I was, hard, I was struggling to find any kind of happiness. And the reality is, is because the porn was taking away from anything, that, anything good. It was sucking the life out of me, if that makes sense. So I was depressed, anxious. Um, I will say at this point, his mom and I started noticing differences in him. Okay. Yes. Like it became yeah. harder and harder for him to hide uh, it. Yeah, because he just he started he started being disengaged with church things mm -hmm. like he was before. It just started kind of a reclusive, and he's never really been that way. And how he would react, how yeah. he would how he would be, and so his mom and I, even his relationships with his friends at school, we never saw them. He would always go to them, or they would never come around. It, we we just little we things. To see those we started seeing these trends that just you know you're a kid. Yeah. And yeah. and Laney and I were like, we don't know what's wrong. His grades started going down. He's always when in high school he he and I'm gonna brag on him. He's a very intelligent young man. He's always been that way. So school, it was easy for him. Yeah. So he would like he didn't he didn't apply himself, but he <laughs> he would make A's and B's. You follow I didn't me? Try. Facts. <laughs> well, he just wouldn't apply himself. Yeah. Drove Bailey crazy. He didn't have to. <laughs> but but but. This is it was a part where his grades started getting like C's and D's yeah, and yeah. F's, and we were like, "What is up?" You know, and something's different. And his responses would be very short. I'm just tired, or footballs, you know, this and mm -hmm. that and the other. And so it was it was just disengaging that we started seeing around that sophomore end of sophomore year, yeah. going into that summer, and we we were concerned. We didn't know, and all we would try to have the conversations with him, and he would shut us off. And I think as for parents, is what's so hard is you see something going on with your own with your kid. And because you love them so much, you want to force them to have the conversation that you know they need to have. Man, you, you have to <laughs> love them through it, and you have to pray, and you have to pray hard that eventually something will happen that will open yeah. that door. And that's what happened. And well, So basically, you're right. I was, there was a point where I was realizing my three fake lives that I was living are starting to run into each other. Well, and that's was, what's always going to happen, yes, by the way. That's you, a key. And I'm glad both of you, you all said that. You will be exposed. You're, you cannot live in duality. No. 
And scripture addresses that, right? You can only serve one master. And the reality is if you're serving two, if that hypocrisy is what you're living your life in, that dual lifestyles, they're going to bleed. When they do, people will figure it out. They're not, people aren't stupid. Which again, Um, your porn addiction and any sin that you're trying to hide, it's going to be brought to light. It's a matter of, same thing with exposure. It's not a matter, will it be brought to light? The question is when will it be brought to light and how? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that started to work, that the Lord started to bring things to light in my life. Mm -hmm. And it started with small things and I knew where it was going. Yeah. So I go to the camp just to kind of briefly go over this. I go to camp and I remember I was leading a group. It was a different year because I've done the whole camp high and you're like, how old are you at this point? I was 16. 16. He's Um, driving. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm driving. I think I was able to go on dates at 16. So you, and there's a lot of life that's becoming revealed to me. And I was going to my junior year of high school. And I remember at this camp, I just had this weirdly sorrowful feeling of, man, I'm leading these people and I'm supposed to be talking to them about Jesus. And I am struggling. I don't even know if my personal relationship with Jesus is. I mean, it's virtually, it's non-existent at this point in my life. It was just completely fake and cultural. And I remember we were in a worship service and our youth pastor was just really pressing us to like, ask God what he wanted to reveal to us that night. There was something in our life, maybe there was something in our life that we were holding on to that we need to give up control to. And immediately it was just like, I heard the voice of God, Brody, you are, you're fake and you're living this fake life. And it's all going to come to a crashing, like burning, crashing head, basically. You need to talk to, you need to talk to someone, tell someone about this. And I immediately knew it's porn. This is a stem. That's the root of all my problems right now. The root of the depression, the root of the fakeness, the root of the distance was pornography. It was taking away any desire I had to be close with God because I was completely engaged with sin. I remember I went to my friend one of my good friends, Jonathan, and I just was like, man, I have to confess things. I have to confess all this to you. I was like, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm depressed. I need help. And he, we both, he kind of looked at me in a way of relief almost because he was like, me too. I'm also having trouble with this. I thought I was alone. And for us, it was a what light. What a tool of the enemy to even exactly that statement, man. You're alone. you get so isolated yeah. when you're entrapped in like sin and addiction. It could be anything, mm-hmm. you know. And the enemy wants to separate you from people who love you and people who care about your future and your well being, so he can just keep latching on to you. And as soon as I talked to him, it was like a wall broke down for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I am not alone. First of all, so I just want to say that to people out there, you were not alone. There are people who have gone through this, who have struggled with it actively, and who have broken free from it. And I'm here to tell you that it's possible because I didn't think it was possible. I was in a point in my life where I was like, I am never going to beat this, and I'm alone in this because that's what the lie the enemy told me. And as soon as I talked to my friend Jonathan, I was like, there's just this relief. So we're like, okay, well, what do we need to do? What's the practical? Next I'm steps. That's just who I am. Uh, so I go back and worship and. I remember, <laughs> this is the funny part. Well, actually, this is beforehand, sorry. Before I talked to Jonathan, I felt the Holy Spirit be like, you need to tell your parent. Because that, if you get them on the same page as you, you will have way more accountability. Way more accountability. Yeah. And then you won't be hiding anything. Yeah. Like, it'll just be all in the light yeah. at that point. Because I was just done. At this point, I'm, it's a weight, man. It's heavy. And you, I was tired. I wasn't yep. sleeping well. I was depressed. And I was just tired of that feeling of, I'm a slave to this. And yeah. I didn't want to be. So I was like, okay, I got to talk to my parents. And I told Jonathan, because I need, I need accountability in this. I'm going to go mm-hmm. talk to my parents when I get home. You have to ask me. When I get back, you need to text me. Have you done this yet? 
And he was like, okay, but you need to do the same with me. We're going to both do this yeah. together. Let's do this. Like, we need to break Man, this Can cycle. I just say praise God for that? Like, I, what I know, an awesome... And that's the thing that, and I, we'll talk about it at the recovering part. Yeah, yeah. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. And the hard part is when you're stuck in sin and you can't see anything, it's hard to even really see the Holy, see the presence of God in your life. But if you take a step back, and that's the beauty of it is, God was, in his grace, pursued me, continued to pursue me. I don't know where you're going to go. I, I, I think I know where you're going with the story, because I, I just think it's a good point to interject here from our side of things, that he didn't know, but we had, we had found out. Oh, okay. And, oh. yeah, yeah, no, but, because I know, because I want you to know the whole, how the Holy Spirit was already working, because when he came to us, we all, we, it, it kind of came together. Does that make sense? I had gotten an iPad for the house, and I had, remember this? No, it was my iPad mini. That's right, it was, was your iPad it, I mini. I bought it with my birthday money. That's right, it was your account. iPad mini. Yeah. And I had gotten it, well, you know, in the house you have it laying around, hey, let me yeah. borrow that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you had to borrow it. I something. did, I had to borrow it for something, and so I was, I was looking through it, and he had, he had connected his, his text messages to his to iPad. To the mini, yeah. Mini. I don't know if you did it on purpose, but it was, <laughs> automatically it was connected. No, I, yeah. I was That's how it. I found out, and I'm literally scrolling, seeing him cuss. Yeah. Seeing him use the F word, I would have never in my life, I mean, I was almost like, I was shocked. Yeah. And then I saw the pictures that were coming from his friends. And I, I literally didn't know what to do. And it's those moments of when, you know, you're angry, you're sad, you're frustrated. Uh, and so I go I to- I think that's called sorrow. Yeah. Like, no, as a yeah, parent, I'm kidding. No, it is. That is I the real feeling of I sorrow. I wasn't angry at him. Yeah. I was angry that I didn't see it as a guy. And so I told Lainey, and I think that's another important part too, men. We don't 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 push your wife out of this conversation. Correct. Include her because there's a perspective that I think she needs to understand. But when it came down to helping him, her and I had talked. It had to be me because she just she couldn't as her as the woman in that in that situation understand or connect mm-hmm. with that. So when he came home. We were prepared that night to have that conversation with Yeah, I was. And that's what's cool is the Holy Spirit was, was working in my life. So he was already preparing. In a way, he was preparing before me, before I even went. It's almost like that's what he does. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And so I get home, and I'm nervous. I'm pretty sure I was probably really short with y'all. Because I knew that I, remember I that. needed I think, to I think say you were. this. I, think I was, you were. They all like, house camp? It was good. Great. You know, because yeah, yeah. I was like, I really knew what I needed to do. And I just kept feeling this tug of the Holy Spirit being like, yeah. Brody. Do it. This is how you get freedom. Which and this I would is say, step. to stop you there for a second, it's so hard to do that. Oh my gosh, yeah. But there's a lot of freedom in doing it, which I know you're going to speak to. And I would just say this, if you're, if you're a student watching this, or even if you're like a, a grown man, a lot of single guys struggle yeah. with porn. As a parent, I'm sure Bradley will speak to this, you want, as a parent, your kid to come to you with what they're struggling in. As a kid that's walking through that, or as a man that's walking through that, you cannot, even, a, even if you're a guy and you're married and you're walking through this, you cannot not have these conversations because of the fear of the consequences. Yeah. The reality is, as a dad, if, if Judah does something wrong, and I'm, I'm sure you, it, it, there is something freeing in saying, son, you're struggling with this sin, and mm-hmm. I want to lead you through it. Yeah, there's consequences for stuff, absolutely, but there is a freedom in, and you shouldn't be afraid. I've told Judah, I'm, I don't want you to ever be afraid to tell me if you've done something wrong. It's natural to have that fear. It is. And, and I think and, it's also the enemy, too, Right, that and, says. and I think for me, leading up to this, when I was in Dallas, I had started mentoring guys, mm-hmm. discipleship, one-on-one discipleship. Over the years, it's just been a part of my ministry. I was mentoring myself. I won't go into all that. But 
there were about, I think, three of those guys that I mentored with one-on-one over the course of that relationship had pornography issues. And so I had learned through that relationship how they were exposed, how their, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but no. how their parents reacted to it. And so I, and I think, too, I had read books about it. One of the best books is by James Dobson. You know, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's raising godly boys we'll, or boy. We'll figure it out and put it in. The, we're gonna put it in all the show. Okay, guys. great. We'll put all of these resources. In the okay, show great. Notes. And, and that's a that was awesome. I had read that for him, and I'm not a big reader, but I had read that. And so when it got to this point, and I we we knew what had happened. We Lynn Laney and I, he didn't know this beforehand. We put together our game plan, and one of the very first things I said to her was, "I'm not. We're not going to punish him. We're not going to punish him." You know, and I said, he's got to be feel comfortable with me coming to talk to me now. And so I shifted a little bit from being, quote, parent to more of a mentor. And and I think that's the key is so many times I believe parents punish. You shouldn't have done that. You're grounded for six weeks. Mm. Then that just basically exasperates the fear, right? They're going to mad at me. They're going to hate me. The shame. Man, this is something, this topic, and I think we've learned that with him, was I just made a decision through the through the leading of the Holy Spirit that when we had this conversation, I wasn't going to punish him. I wanted him to know that I love him and that I'm here for him, and his mom did too. And so I'll let you go ahead and finish your story because then I'll come back to how we what we did next. Cool. Well, so basically, I get home, and so the the fear that was there was they're going to lash out at me, be mm-hmm. angry, yep. and disappointed in me. And that is, I'm telling you guys, that is from the enemy. It's if and this is sad because I think that parents do that and he just said that and but i knew my parents and i knew that they were walking with jesus very closely and so there was a part of me that was like no they're not but then i had this other happening that was like yes they are um so i just had to break that gap of i don't care anymore i am desperate you have to get to a point where you are so desperate jesus says to cut out your right eye if it causes you to stumble cut <laughs> off your hand if it causes you to stumble that's the point where i got i will do whatever it takes and we'll talk about that later when we're talking about recovery i was ready i'm tired of this it's sucking the life from me i'm done and I walked in there, and I remember it was, I have something to tell you, and I just broke down crying because it was just the weight of everything hitting me at once. And He didn't just cry. He wept. I wept. It was like bad. Like bald. We never see him do that. It was like, oh, my goodness. And we just sat around him and, and held him. Yeah. Why he cried. And honestly, I think it was, it was the years of pain, and <laughs> here's the beauty of it. It wasn't like a sorrowful cry. It was, it was a relieving cry. Like, after that, I felt more alive than I had in years because it was the weight of everything that I was going through just being taken off my shoulders. And that was the beautiful thing about it is all I had to do is have this conversation. And that is why repentance is so necessary. That's why the Bible talks about repentance. Repentance is saying, I'm broken and I need you to know my brokenness and I need you to do a work in me, Lord. Or for, you know, for parents, when you're repenting of a sin to your parents, I'm br- I need help. And so you said this, Bradley, Ron, actually, one time when we were talking about parenting, said this, and it's exactly what you just said. He said, when kids are little, you can lead them through discipline or or punishments. So, for example, Judah, I can tell him, you're going to timeout, go, don't do this. Right. But there is a transition where influence has to take over. Absolutely. So me sending Judah to timeout as a 16-year-old, yeah, right. He's going to be like, forget you. Forget you. (laughs) But now you you utilize your influence, and parents need to know that. You are going to have influence in the teenage years. Use your influence. They want that. It begins to shift. Absolutely. And 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 it's not a science. It's an art. The Holy Spirit will guide you through that process. I remember saying, I have a porn addiction. I don't remember the exact phrasing. 
And then I think I even talked about how I've been living just different lives. I don't feel like myself. I think, I think through that, that's when we realized how long it was. That's when he started talking about how he had he been exposed to it, seventh mm. grade, yeah. all those things. Because at this point, we just thought it was what you see, what I seen. saw on the yeah. iPad. And, and then so when all that came out, I don't know how long we sat there. We sat there for a while. Really while. And it, it was almost cathartic for him just to vomit it up, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I think that was, it was healing. It was very much like I was telling you everything. And at that point, I had nothing else to hide. And that's where, that is where the healing came in, I think, is when we're just fully, recklessly, like, I surrender yeah. everything. And we both were there. His mom and I were there. And she, it was, it was great because I think there are, it's important that in that moment, she could be his mama. Right. So yeah. she was, she was, she was comforting. crying and just comforting. I was sitting there just kind of like, I was comforting, but yet he was doing a lot of the conversation with me. And I get that uh, you know, as well, a young man, not wanting to turn around and tell your mom all yeah. this stuff. And she, but she relaxed into that, you know, and she trusted that moment. And so uh, at that point, I knew very early on, once he got it all out, I wanted him to know at the very beginning, he wasn't going to be punished. Wasn't mad at him. I am not disappointed in you. I'm proud of you for having I, I, I the courage. I think that's so key. It, it, saying those words, I wanted him to hear me say, I am proud of you for having the courage to come talk to yeah. God. Yeah, that, was, that spoke volumes into everything for me because so, it, it immediately took off yeah. that. Which I also oh my wanna, gosh, I'm not in trouble. I want to paint the clear picture for people hearing this. You were allowed and given the space to get it all out there. You all listened. Yeah. So, so students, I mean, hear this because this is important. That's amazing to yeah. be able to say that and then, and then hear that response. And so parents, if you're watching or listening to this or watching this, whatever, that, that's a huge testimony. Like that, and as, as a dad that hasn't had to deal with that yet, there's wisdom in that and how to, how to handle that conversation mm-hmm. yeah. because, man, that, that's powerful. Well, I mean, think about that. This is the hard part. Is I think as Christians, we, we get rid of like the big things in our life and every other, but we're so jaded to give forgiveness and to give the same grace that we received sometimes. And I think we withhold this like, Oh, I don't struggle with that. So you're worse than me. You have to live up to the false expectation that's placed yeah. on your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's key is false expectation. Yes. Like we're broken. We're going to be bro- broken. People act broken. Yes. Yeah. Christians are not perfect. Yeah. We're, we're growing and it's hard. I think that was the key for me at the very, very, I wanted to hear that at the very beginning. I'm, pr- I'm proud of you. You are not a disappointment. Cause that was one of the things he even, he would, I think he even said it when he was, con- when he was confessing. You know, I've let you all down. I've disappointed you. No, you haven't let us down. You yeah. know, and it was just a matter of there's nothing you can do to let me down. I mean, I love you no matter yeah. what you do. Yeah. And 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 we would just say that over and over again. And I said, I'm proud of you. And I know this is not easy. And then we started just laying out. But we got practical. Now I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. Absolutely. This is probably after an hour, an hour and a half. So then I'm the one that shifted that conversation. I said, okay, now where do we, where, where do we go from here? We need to put together a game plan. And Good coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I jumped into coaching <laughs> that's, that's what you do. You yeah. lead your yeah. kid through. That's the influence. Hey, and he, let me... he played football. He's a big sports guy. Yeah. So I, I resonated with that. I yeah. resonated with the idea of a game plan. Let's Correct. put together a game plan. <laughs> yep. And I remember, and I had to go back over and over and reiterate this as time passed on, that certain key elements of the game plan. Yeah. Here, here was, remember, and here was the key elements. I always told him, I said, I'm never going to be upset with you. You're never going to be punished. You are not going to be shamed if you just tell me you have a slip up. Yep. yep. Ever. Just tell me. You know, say, hey, Dad, I slipped up. I was like, okay. And then, you know, we'll pray about it, and we'll figure out how you slipped up, what happened. 
and then how can we correct that? But I, but I was That's never awesome. I, I I wanted him because I wanted him to have the freedom to come to me and mm. go. I slipped up. Yeah. Versus saying I'm going to get grounded. I'm going to get Hide this. It. I'm going to get this taken away. Now we did take away his access. Yeah, because, which is makes sense because yeah. because that's a part of the overcoming was it yeah. cut off the accessibility. Well, and I was at a point where I was willing to do, like I said, I was willing to. Do yeah, that. so I we, could care less about Twitter. I could care less about Snapchat. Get rid of it. And here's the thing too that that here was the accessibility. So we didn't take away his phone. Follow me here. But mm, his phone, true. remember, got connected to mine. I could see his text messages. Or did you take my iPad? I took your iPad. You did take my iPad because I couldn't. I don't know. I was, I'm not technologically savvy, <laughs> so I couldn't figure out how to get the iPad connected to my phone, but yeah. I could get his phone connected to mine. And so I could see his text messages, mm. the things he was looking at, and yeah. he knew it. And then at any point, we made a, we made a, a, a how I guess would say that I could come in and say, let me see your phone. Yep. Let me see this. You know, I think that's when you said you, you made this. We, we took you off Twitter. Yeah, I deleted Twitter. Cut um, off it. So basically, we did cut off his access, but it yeah. wasn't a punishment thing. It and was that, helping from a point of accountability. It was, and we all, I always wanted to make sure he knew that, like, I'm not punishing you, I'm helping you cut off the access because that's the game yeah. plan. How did you respond in that? So, were, you, were you like, man, I hear this, I'm for it, or was there resistance? So I think that there, there was an inner fight that I had to still battle. So what, let me hear, hear me say this, guys or girls, whoever, if you're struggling with pornography, you don't get over it overnight. No. Because if I was doing it for four or five years of this habitual use of porn, so your body gets used to that, and oh, your brain gets rewired you actually, at that yeah, point. Yeah, you literally, your brain is literally wired. And that's crazy is when I found out that you're, when you watch pornography, it plays to the object side of your brain. Mm -hmm. So you immediately, whether you know it or not, start to view women as an object or men as an object used for your gratification. It's an illness. Yeah. Yes. And I think people need to understand that it's an illness. And, and, and our pastor in Houston, he used to use this analogy that if you took a quarter on this table and you started digging in the same spot like that over and over and over again, eventually, it may take a while, but it's, it's going to leave a mark. Yeah. yeah. Well, the mark is still there. So mm. like, that's your brain. Yep. Yeah. That's what you've done to your mind. Mm. So he's right. You're not just going to be like, good, I'm out. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you have to start repairing that. Yeah. You have to start filling it with something that's, that's the void. Yep. And so I, knowing that, yeah, I knew it was going to be a struggle, especially when I went off to college. I mean, great day. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the harder. That was there was a lot of and freshman year was difficult because there was a lot of temptation and part of that was because I was struggling with other just things in general like anger and right. But I think what's important to realize is is, is I want to bring this out because I just thought of this. For me, and I go back to the men that I walked with through their issues and I'm going with you. It seems as is what happens is what gets people most of the time. I don't know the stats going down this road. It's when the 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 disappointments come. Yes. It's 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 yeah. a coping mechanism. Well, I'm a, I can go into the root. This is actually part of the the beauty of once you overcome it, you say you have to figure out why did that even happen in the first place. That right. was something that I knew I needed to do because let me just say too, I because we established accountability, I was not afraid to establish it with my friends who discipled me in yeah. college. Turn. Always had someone I lived with who knew about it. So you set up parameters for mm -hmm. for Brody, like taking yeah. things, having that accountability. Let me ask, did that? impact your relationship with Jonathan? Did you share yeah, we, what your dad had walked with you through with your friends? I'm just, I'm just asking from a standpoint of yeah. multiple people well, I and mean, their friends are dealing with this. So Yeah, we, yes, basically. So, I mean, at that point, you're, I've already confessed everything to him, so he knew. Um, and I think even it impacted, like, Jonathan's brother, 
he started having conversations mm-hmm. with his parents. He had, like they all were having conversations. And we conversations. were great. We, 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 we were great. Our, our families were great friends. And so his dad, Jonathan's dad's a great friend of mine. Yeah. And so we would have conversations as dads together. And, da- and his dad's a pastor as well, which was great because then we could say, you know, we could talk through it as parents. Yeah. I think that's yeah. important too. Absolutely. Because so. you're not alone. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> the, the enemy will try to <laughs> yeah. put loneliness on and you're not you're not alone i think the biggest thing is and then as time progressed i would say years after that i would just god would put him on my heart because we moved to california he's in texas Mm -hmm. and i would shoot him a text hey i'm praying for you today how's it going with your you know i don't even know i think you just said any slip-ups yeah that was it that was it did you have any slip-ups and he was honest with me he would say yeah i did and it was interesting how every time the Holy Spirit would put his, him on my heart for a specific... Yeah. I could feel his heaviness. I needed it. Yeah. I would yeah. text him and go, hey, man, I love you. I miss you. How's things going? And he yeah. would say something. I said, did you have any slip-ups? He said, yeah, the other night. I said, it's okay. I love you. What can I do? And we would yeah. talk through it. And I said, how did that happen? And so we would just, again, reemphasize the game plan. Yeah. Because here's the other thing, and this is what I go back to earlier. He did the heavy work, yeah. right? I mean, I'm proud of him because he was committed to it. He understood. He did have slip-ups. He did have, it took a long time to rewire that brain. Yes. But he did the work, and all I was there to do was just walk with him through it and encourage him and let him know that we are going to be right there with him. Yeah. yeah. And it took time. So we as parents even had to have patience with that, you know. And Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a journey, and it's a process that takes time. That's key. I think one thing for me that's cool to look back at all this is looking at the Holy Spirit's intervention in my life and mm. the fruit that came from it. As soon as me and Jonathan and a few other guys realized we don't want to do this anymore, we had accountability, immediately we took the enemy's foothold out. So yeah. we, we'll put this resource in there. Covenant Eyes is yep. phenomenal. It's mm. not that expensive. And it literally, it wouldn't send in an alert even if I had a semi-sketchy website to yeah. his phone. So when you have that in your mind thinking, if I watch porn right now, my dad's going to get a notification saying exactly what I'm watching, when I'm watching and where I'm watching it, you will stop. It takes it like that. So that was a big step for me. The second step, well, well, I'm kind of skipping. No, that's okay. And I know you guys are going to go through things that can help people once they do confess and they start to, and I use the term vomit because I think it's it's just junk. You got to get it out. absolutely. But vomit it out, right? Then the, the steps to, to help them overcome the things you can put in. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things to do. Well, I, I would say this for parents. Uh, one of the things that I did, and it was a, I had two people in my life at the moment. I already told you about one's mm-hmm. dad. And then I had a, one of my pastor mentors who, who gave me some advice in that. And, of course, the James Dobson book. But I, I want people to know that it's very easy as parents I don't know how else to say this. It wasn't my story to tell about it was his story. I never got out there and went like, I never got into my prayer circles or at staff meeting and go, let's pray for me. You know, Brody's addicted. God, we found out this and that and the other. No, because I wanted, that's his journey. I wasn't going to put that on him. And so even this as an adult man now, him coming out and telling his story, it's been, it's his story to tell. Yeah. I don't do that. So I'm proud of him, and I think I think parents need to hear that that yeah. you just you need to be that that mentor in that relationship, and you know it's the last thing I would say to this is just I flip back to even men that I've walked with through this. It is an illness, and it is an addiction, and so when you start to cut off the access, there will be a craving. 
Yes. It grows. It grows. And you have to push through that craving. And I remember one individual that we put on Covenant Eyes, because I know you guys are going to talk about this. It cuts off your access. I mean, it puts it down like G rating. And he texted me one day or called me one day, almost in a panic mode. It was like middle of the day. You know, man, I, 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 need, I need access. I got to get, I got to do this for work. He kept saying for work. Well, I knew what that was. He's going through withdrawal. Exactly. It, no, it's real. It's yeah. real. And I, and I say that because it is real. It's like alcoholism. Yeah. It's like if an alcoholic gets, has to be, get free, they have to go through the detox. There is a detox period for this. And you have to attack it that way. You have to attack it like an illness, like a cancer. It is. You know, if you were diagnosed with cancer, you're going to go find, what are, the, what are the things I have to do? Radiation, chemo, what I have to have surgery. You're going to put the game plan with your doctor together to attack the cancer. You have to do that with this. You can't just go in there and say, oh, I'm just going to stop. No, you're going to have detox moments. You're going to have moments where you're like, you know, you're going to crave it. And you've yep. got to fight through it. And yeah. what you guys are going to share about the steps to overcome it is the key to, to finding victory. Yeah. The beautiful thing about this is I actually wrote down these steps. And we'll go through I, them. There's a few of them I did pull. There's some content I pulled from resources. Mm -hmm. So this is what helped me. And I've walked through this. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And students and anyone who is young adults, whatever it may be, if you're 89 or you're 12, hear me say this. I just want to keep saying the grace of God is greater than your porn addiction. The grace of God covers every single, the blood of Jesus covers all of that. As soon as you are like, I'm done, I'm ready to turn from this, you are met with the grace of God. Whether you've watched porn one time or you've watched it 500 times, the gospel is still sufficient to save you. Jesus, his sacrifice is not dependent on your sin. His sacrifice is greater than your sin, meaning that his sacrifice is sufficient to redeem you and rescue you. So the enemy will push you away, but there's hope. Jesus is the hope. The gospel is the hope. Your slip-ups are not going to stop you from experiencing the redemption that Jesus has paid for you. There is a way through, and we're going to have that battle and struggle. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Vantage Point, part two of our series in pornography. Next week, we're going to be looking at how to break the cycle. So the solution to overcoming pornography. Hopefully you were encouraged today by Brody's story and how God used him and God worked in him and through him uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit. We would be remiss if we didn't say again that being trapped in pornography is not something that has to continue. There is hope. There is grace. But again, you can't do it alone. And so if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to Jake at ibclex.com or Brody T at ibclex.com. We also have social medias. You can follow us at students, IBC. We'll see you for part three.